0: Our cars will break down, and when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill For total protection of your car, truck, or SUV, and less repair bills, plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance, just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary.
1: Good evening, Detroit Lakes. This is the Vikings Territory Breakdown. I am your host, Joe Johnson, owner of vikingsterritory.com, purpleptsd.com, and the Brands Bacon New Minnesota Wild website, miniice.com. Here with, as always, Mr. Joe Oberly. How you doing, man?
2: I'm good. I just want to say I'm one of the – Many Joes around the country who is not president today, and I'm very happy about that. So,
1: well, like, we said, like we said off air, pe- people are due. The Vikings are due. Never give up hope. Never sell okay. up that that brass ring. You have my fault, anyway. <clears throat> Thanks. Uh, it's uh, we're joined again uh, by Mr. Tim McNiff, who uh, are, are one of our regular contributors is. Uh, former Vikings head coach Mike Tice, but I gave him uh, a, couple, a couple weeks off in the offseason. I felt like a, like a nice thing to do Liz. if I'm running like two days at camp or something. I thought I'd give him a break from, from Joe and I. Uh, thanks for coming back on the show, Mr. McNiff.
3: I, I never thought you guys would have me back again, but I do know a little bit of uh, presidential-related trivia about Joe Overly. He not only shares a first name with our 46th president of the United States, his middle name is also Robinette. So there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah.
2: No, I, it, you know, it's funny. I was There's a lot of that going around. And I had actually brought a Joe 2020 hat because I told my wife, this guy's got a chance to be the first ever President Joe. So I got to celebrate that. So I, I'm excited.
1: It's a, it's a, it's a big day a historical, for you guys. Yeah. The, the, the Joes are finally getting their way in. We've been held back for so long. Clearly. um, We have a very special guest tonight. That is a very um apt guest as well, considering the, the state of the playoffs and how nearly um, every matchup, especially this last weekend, had some sort of a Vikings narrative in it in a negative sense. And I mean that with uh, all due respect and respect to um, it admiration uh mr daryl thompson former running back from the green bay packers but also the minnesota gophers my alma mater uh is on the show today to talk a little bit about playoff football thanks for coming on the show man
4: hey thank you for having me i appreciate you guys bringing me on
1: first question do you consider yourself more of a gopher or of a, a packer that's gonna determine
4: the tone uh, of the interview. Oh man, I tell you, it's almost fifty-fifty. I tell you, once I get like in Woodbury, I start leaning towards pulling my my green and gold out. So I mean, it's kind of it kind of depends where I'm at. When I'm in Minnesota, I'm very very um, maroon and gold. And then once I hit Woodbury, and then you know you get that that side of town. I'm in Hudson, then I'm, I completely snap change. I do a shot actually on my way in. I stop at <laughs> Hudson always and have a a quick uh, hot one hundred or uh, one of those. Uh, want you know, those new shots, you know, when yep. I have a fireball when you get in Wisconsin.
2: Darrell, that's that <laughs> a good question. Do, uh, you know, as uh, someone who played high school at Rochester, John Marshall, and high school football, and then for the Gophers, and then went to the Packers, did, did uh, that, that change over to this, this state's biggest rival, did that ever, I mean, how was that? How were you received? Was there any kind of interesting stories that ever happened where you, were you accepted and, and, and took it in with open arms, or was there a little suspect of this Minnesotan coming across the
4: the border? Uh, you know what? The one thing about the Packer fans, they're extremely welcoming to their, uh, their their new draft choices, their free agents. So I was welcomed with open arms, you know. And there's there's a lot of um, you know, and I'm 53 years old, so there's a lot of Minnesota. Uh I'm sorry, there's a lot of Wisconsin um Packer fans that are in Minnesota that I didn't know anything about until I became a Packer. And they're like, oh, I've always been a Packer fan because and I learned about the Packers existed before the Vikings and all those types of things. So it's just a um you know, it's a it's a it's a unique thing and um it was a, a blessing to be able to play for, you know, a, a great organization with a great history.
3: Yeah, what Daryl doesn't know is that when the day he was drafted by the Green Bay Packers I was in Rapid City South Dakota covering the Lacrosse Catbirds and the Rapid City Thrillers playing for the WNBA championship and um I just about cried. I'm like, "No! <laughs> Anywhere but there. No!" So, yeah. He yeah. uh, didn't bother him at all, but it, it sure beat the heck out of me.
4: You were in a lot I did bit. hear that. I I did hear that from some people, you know, but I mean, I was just a... A kid, and my parents are from the south. You know, my mom is from West Point, Mississippi. My dad's from St. Louis, Missouri. So I didn't, I didn't grow up, you know. And I was, uh, I was, I was, I I think I was born to be a running back. You know, I was. They're my idols. You know, Walter Payton, Earl Campbell, Eric Dickerson, um, Jim Brown. Those are my idols. So I didn't have a. My favorite team was whoever had a great running back. If your running back was special, I was going to watch your games. now. So I was, you know, in the in the in the uh, the uh, Vikings did have Chuck Foreman. So I loved. Chuck Foreman, he's a good friend now. And, uh, you know, so that was that was my emphasis. But I wasn't as tied to the Vikings as um, probably a, a typical uh, Minnesota uh, young guy.
1: Speaking of the great running backs, uh, uh, having the insight that you do on the position, I mean, can you give us a little <clears throat> bit of uh, your point of view in what you see from a guy like uh, Dalvin Cook and what he does well, uh, you know? For the Vikings,
4: you know it's interesting about Delvin. I think, um, you know, he gets a lot of credit for his speed, but he also has patience. He has balance and he has vision. You know, just like I think he's he and Alvin Kamara are very similar. And I mean, Alvin might have even a little bit better balance and runs with a bit even more of a base. But you know, Delvin Cook has um tremendous speed, vision, he's patience, and he also can catch the ball. I mean, that's one one of the reasons I think that you know it'll be difficult for um. Uh, I'm forgetting the name of the running back that played for the um, Vikings for many, 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 many years, but a uh, tremendous Hall of Fame running back. But, anyways, he has hands and the ability to catch the ball coming out of the backfield is also a benefit. Yeah. yeah, Adrian Peterson struggled catching the ball, still struggles catching the ball. You know, he's not the ball too. And run it. Blocking was not a strength to his. He's willing, but you know catching the ball yeah. is even more important probably than um, blocking. You can kind of figure a way around that to be a decoy or something, but you need to be able to run screens and uh, you know wide routes and those little end options out of the backfield. So and Delvin Cook can do that. Something Adrian Peterson wasn't really part of his skill set. So, I mean, um, I think Cook is a phenomenal back, and if he can stay healthy, he'll be uh, you know he'll be in that category with you know Foreman and with Adrian Peterson is one of the greatest backs ever play uh, for the Minnesota Vikings.
2: Daryl. speaking of vision for a running back, um, we had an incident here this year for the Vikings where, you know, the lack of vision they say might have cost the Vikings the Seattle game because uh, the backup running back missed a, a wide open hole, went into his own hole rather, and t- didn't get one yard when they needed and could have salted away the game. How important is is vision? I mean, it, things happen at such a quick you know, you get the ball and boom, you're in the hole. I mean, how, how does a, uh, a back develop that? Is that something innate? Uh, can, you, can you speak to vision in a, in a running back's arsenal?
4: Well, it's part of it is innate, and also part of it is trust and then confidence in your offensive line. If you don't have confidence in your offensive line, it's really, really difficult to trust them and believe that things are open up later because they're teaching you to be patient at the point of attack. You, you're supposed to get to an area and then you're supposed to read it and do either go straight, go to the inside, go to the outside. So that's what they're trusting you to do to press the area, to make the defense commit to it. And that that is a very difficult thing from someone that's been since they were a little kid, I'm either going to get to the edge or I'm going to run to the middle. I'm going to juke a whole bunch of people out. So you're, you're, it's a little bit of a different type of a mindset. And it is it's interesting because I heard that same argument and that hole was nowhere near as easy and quick as people think it was to get into, especially in a short yardage situation where mm-hmm. the line is, is stacked. And I think it was like back towards the inside. And I don't, I mean, not that it matters, but that don't, that wasn't really where that play was designed to go, you know? So there's a, there's a double team and then you're supposed to hug a double. That's like, you taught that from the, your freshman year in college, hug the double team, get inside that double team. And then, but the double team, was you know there was a hole back behind him it looked like more of a hole than probably Mm -hmm. maybe even there was and if he if he jump cuts back in that hole there's nothing to say that a linebacker or anything is not going to fill because the linebackers do the same thing they're taught the same thing go to the hole so that linebacker almost for sure is going to be in that hole if he jump cuts to go back into that hole because it's not where he's just going to plant his foot and go he's got to come back parallel to get in that hole so that was you know, I mean, oh, that's me like a running back, or you know, second, second guess and a quarterback. Oh, that throw looks easy. Well, it's not. It's like a guy's <laughs> hanging on your shirt or, if, you know, right. someone's, in your, someone's in your line of sight or maybe you see the safety and the broadcaster doesn't or Joe at home that only has the angle of his TV and the bowl of chips in front of him. He doesn't <laughs> see the same thing that Tom Brady's looking at or, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is looking at. It's a little different out there on
2: the field. Really well, is. we just
4: don't have a bag of chips. If we had, if I had a bag of Doritos <laughs> on the on the field, it'd be, it'd be completely different. That know. should be the next
1: uh, the next CBA.
4: <laughs> yeah, a bag of chips and a bottle of scotch.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of uh, great running backs, you know, uh, Aaron Jones, I think, is is not underrated, but the impact that he's had uh, for the, the the Packers offense on on, on Aaron Rodgers' uh kind of renaissance this season is is uh tremendous and I I think uh it just was announced today that he turned down a relatively big contract from the Packers uh are sort of made him a top 5 running back uh in the league in terms of of overall pay but there wasn't as much guaranteed money as he wanted um can you talk a little bit about the the impact that he's had for the packers um and whether or not you think that that is the maybe one of the the larger reasons that that rogers has had this amazing season or do you think you know part of it's him activating the floor or having you know that chip on his shoulder uh, uh from the jordan love situation
4: i quite honestly feel like it's um he and the floor getting on the same page. If your quarterback's comfortable and confident, he's going to be successful. And he has Adams. You know, he's got a, he's got a receiving core that complements each other. You know, Adams being number one. That's his number one. That's his number two. And he's going to go to his other people and he can throw it to Aaron Jones coming out of the backfield. And then he's got a handful of other backs. And quite honestly, the offensive line has stayed healthy, and that's a problem the Vikings have not had. They haven't been like really great offensive line. And then two or three of them get hurt. So you're already playing with guys that aren't quite the right guy. And then you put putting the backup and he is not the right guy. He's the backup to whatever you already have. So I really feel like, you know, Aaron Rodgers and his success this year has been that he getting on the same page with uh, his head coach and trusting and believing what he's doing and, um, you know, the team being um, healthy. And then Aaron Jones, you know, when you hand the ball off and a running back rips off 20 or 30 yards, it just makes the defense forget about Aaron for a second, forget about Adam for a second. And they do it two or three more times, and you have the other back, and then, then Aaron can start to work his magic. And uh, they've been able to stay healthy, and a, a hot offense uh, and a hot quarterback is uh, what has always run the league. Hey, you
3: you know, go excuse ahead. me, Joe, yeah. how in the hell did the Vikings beat the Packers this year at Lambeau Field?
4: <laughs> I have no idea. You know, I would have put a $100 bill, you know, on that game, that there was no way. And I was like, well, I said, man, we got Aaron Rodgers, we got the Jones, we got... The defense is playing well, and then they just went in there and just played them like, you know. And I think one thing um, uh, Zimmer doesn't get enough credit for is – so that was the game I thought they played phenomenal defense. They played yeah. phenomenal inside the box. They bottled up Jones. They stayed in front of him They didn't let him bounce the ball outside. They covered up all the gaps. They are fundamentally sound. And they did the same thing with Adam, and they didn't let Aaron Rodgers kind of get outside the pocket. They, I mean, that's a, when he gets outside the pocket, it's really not – He's Sneakily athletic. He's not like you know Pat Mahomes, but he's he's way more athletic than he looks. And he smiles yeah. and he's kind of smirks. I'm like, oh, you know what? Don't let him like lull you into you know um, thinking he can't run outside the pocket and find someone downfield because he does every single game he plays in. And they didn't let him do that. They said they kept him in the pocket and they kept Aaron Jones in front of him for the most part. And they didn't let you know. And they were they were physical and aggressive with um uh, with Adams on the, on the on the perimeter. So I feel like you know they did a really really. And Zimmer got no credit for it. They're just like, oh, well, just beat him, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, Cousins played a great game. I'm like, well, Cousins played good. You know, he didn't throw the ball to the other team. I said, <laughs> but the, the defense, the defense played phenomenal in that game. I was like, and no one talked, no, no one patted Zimmer on the back. I said, oh, you know, give him the old, you know. I said, no, the, the old, old ball coach right there. He, he, he coached him up, you know, because uh, by all rights, they sure, the Packers surely should have won that
3: game.
2: There's a, a, a definite respect between Aaron Rodgers and Zimmer. I've heard uh, Rodgers say it more than once how you know he really likes playing against Zimmer because he always dials up something a little more difficult for him to deal with. And there's kind of a chess match back and forth. So it was really interesting to see those two games that between these two teams this year be so diametrically opposed where the Vikings got blown out first game of the season. They obviously weren't ready. And then you come to this one, and, and uh, they played – They played the Packers better than I've got to say most teams did this year. So it was it was it was great to see from that standpoint. But from that point on, the Vikings didn't play defense like that again. And, you you know, the rest,
1: I wonder,
4: unfortunately, you know, and then injuries and the injuries to the Hmm. the Vikings defense. You know, people talk about all the you know, but not having Daniel Hunter this year. I mean, he to me is maybe the best defensive end in the NFL outside of, you know, the, the, the guy in Chicago is great. Then, you know, the guy on the inside, uh, Donaldson is great, but he's inside. But I mean, Daniel Hunter is, I mean, when he's, he makes the other, uh, the offense has the plan for him, you know? So you, if you, you plan for people like him and Chris Dolman and Richard Dent, those are guys you say, you know, we're going to slide our whole line that way. And we're going to put two people on them. That's a whole lot of attention. For one person, and that's not happening for the for any other team that's playing the, the Vikings right now. They're not saying if if we're playing the Steel Hunter, I'm going to account two people to him, and a running back most likely is going to chip him. So that's out of your 11 people, you've got three that are attending to him, and that's not happening right now. So that you know, and you know, the uh, your the big stud uh, middle linebacker that got injured as well. So there's a, there's a lot of people that are out, you know, for the uh, for the Vikings that would have made um, their defense um, a lot more formidable um, yeah. this year than it was.
1: Yeah, and I wonder how much the Packers game, you know, it was was Zimmer throwing caution to the wind a little bit and doing things that he normally wouldn't do if he had the guys on the field that he wanted to have. I know they were doing a lot of you know, um uh, sneaky coverages, pre-snap, post-snap. They were doing a lot of uh, cover to the safeties. were doing things they hadn't been doing uh, in Zimmer's scheme. And so I wonder how much of that is, is something that the the Bucs can emulate uh, this weekend in an attempt to stifle Rodgers the way that the Vikings did in that game. I mean, it, it, seems, it seems like they really, uh, for that week, and even really against uh, Russell Wilson, the Vikings uh, – Did a lot of deep safety stuff, but they were, you know, again doing these tricky, uh, disguised coverages. Uh, I mean, is that too simple of an interpretation of it? Do you think, or do you think that uh, uh, the matchup this weekend between the Bucks and and the the Packers is um, is going to be a shootout?
4: Oh, I think it'll be, it'll be interesting. You know, Todd Bowles is a really, really good defense coordinator and he's got a, you know, Winfield back there and Winfield is now your average rookie, you know? So he's, um, you know, it's interesting when they said he's going to start first game of the year, I wasn't really surprised, you know, not, mm-hmm. not just because his dad went in the field, but I, I mean, I watched him play and broadcast his games in college and he was playing um, chess when he was a freshman. And I mean, chess, meaning he knew what the offense was trying to do to him. He knows what formations mean. He know what routes are. He knows how to reroute people he was doing things that, you know, he knows more about football than I know about football, especially when it comes no to way. games. Then, oh, I'm <laughs> sure he does. I am sure he does. So, and, you know, Domicons Sue up front. So they'll, they'll, I'm sure they'll have some things that they'll try to do to make um, Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable. And, um, you know, but it's always kind of comes down to, you know, what you've seen before, um, you know, where your defense is weak and uh, how you can cover those things up. And Zimmer's a master at that. Todd Bowles has less weaknesses than, um Mike Zimmer has, you know, in his defense. So I feel like it's going to be interesting. And I think weather will have something to do with it. The home field advantage for the Packers certainly has something. There's nothing, there's nothing like, you know, and I took my dogs out to go to the bathroom last night and it's like 12 degrees out. I'm not, I'm not too terribly fired up about standing out there and talking to the neighbor. And it's the same way when you get out, you know, um, and you've got to go outside and uh, play football for three and a half or four hours. I don't care if the heat of bench is on the sideline. I still got to go stand there during timeouts and breaks and, catch a ball when my hands are, you know, kind of somewhat frozen. It's supposed to be like, you know, 15 degrees or 10 degrees or something like that. So it's going uh, to be uncomfortable, to uh, to put it mildly, this weekend. So um, that's gonna, that'll play a role probably more on the offensive side for the Buccaneers than defensively. But both of them, a guy can slip and fall. And uh, next thing you know, a, a running back is off to the races. And then you have, you know, uh, Aaron
2: Jones, you know, having a big day. Are, are there any secrets uh, that the Packers know and the rest of the NFL doesn't know about playing in the cold like that? I mean, there was a mystique here many years ago when Bud Grant wouldn't let Heater be on the sideline and it was a mentality thing. But I suppose it depends on the conditions. But are there th- things that the Packers know because they're comfortable playing there time and time again at this time of year? So, uh, and the, the,
1: the, Just a quick follow-up because uh, do you get I mean, do you get used to that as being a, 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 on the team just by virtue of, you know, playing in it often? Or how much of an advantage is it? Or is it sort of, sort of like you said, uh, maybe more so for a guy that is in a skill position, using his hands, does it become a disadvantage for you as well, just less of a disadvantage than it would be for the other team?
4: Well, Joe, you know what's interesting is that the the, the, the Packers live in it, and Tampa Bay does not. You know, and Tom Brady talked about it and goes, you know what, my blood's gotten thinned out since I've been, I'm living in Tampa, you know, so cold in Tampa is 50 degrees, cold, 50 degrees right now here in Minnesota, people would be running around in you know, tank tops and flip-flops. and um, (laughs) It's not like that. So it's that, it it also, part of it is the mindset, it's the travel, it's the hotel, all of a sudden there's warm weather gear in the locker room and you go out for warm-ups and it's cold. You know, so I mean, everything is different when you're the, especially the away team coming in, and you're coming from a warm weather. Anytime we played the Rams, the Buccaneers, uh, someone like that, we we're like this game. You know, we played against the Raiders. They're like, it's over. Sometimes, many times, it's over in warmups. You can tell, like they don't, they don't really. Wow. And I know it's a regular season, uh, and that can be like, because we're playing the Raiders, and the see they've only won, you know, five games, so we're almost like you are gonna win, but. It's still pros, you know, it's still college. You want, you want to win, but it's, it's not going to be over in warm-ups. There's certainly going to, it's going to be a game. It's going to be an interesting game. It's probably going to go back and forth, and I'd be surprised if the Packers lost.
3: Daryl, if we, if we give that Green Bay the, the, the home field advantage and the, the weather, now mm-hmm. let's look at this. So Tampa went in there earlier this year and beat them 38-10 to 10 at Lambert right. Field. So, and there was no fans there at the time. Now there's going to be a fraction of what's normally there. So if we give Green Bay the weather and we give Green Bay you know, home field advantage and maybe Mystique, um, how much does it help you having gone in there and not just beat them but put it on them before? And um, they're not going to have the fans there. And, oh, yeah, they may have Aaron Rodgers. But you got a guy with six rings.
4: Yeah, they got the man. There's no question. They got one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And I also am not a fan of when I beat someone, going back over to their house to try to beat them again. So I think that the, that's kind of like a little warning all week. Like, you know, the is like, you know, well, they did beat us, you know, like, uh, you guys feel good. I mean, let me just 38 to 10. Oh, that's 20. What's 38 minus 10? Oh, we lost by 28 points. Yeah. So you guys, I hope you guys aren't feeling, I mean, you know, and, they, and they're remind, like, Hey, you know what? It's, it's going to be cold. Out. I, don't, I don't give crap. What, you know, so there's all the, uh, the mind games of the coach getting, he's getting hit the mindset of his team right. So the, the Packers in my mind should come out. I would gently remind my team all week. I need the eye of the tiger in my team and that's going to help me have the eye of the tiger. So I one more little um, weight that goes on the, uh, um, the Packers side. The fact that they got beat by 28 points the last time that they came in here
3: you think that's an advantage for them?
4: Oh, no question. I'd love to, I want them fat and happy. Like, feeling like, Oh, we beat them last time. We should be able to beat them again. Oh, that's what I want you to think. I would like, I would nothing more than I'd love for you to do than think that you can beat me. Nothing motivates me more as a, as an athlete.
2: We're talking a lot about uh, uh, the emotional state and mental well-being of of players at at this time of year. I mean, certainly, you know, their talent has got them to where they are, but uh, you know, so many times I've had this discussion with Joe that the mental preparation for any game in the NFL, but specifically a playoff game, big one like this, uh, is huge. Uh, can can you speak to that, Daryl?
4: Yeah, you know, the the thing that's interesting about the playoffs is that it's 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 win and, and, or go home. So there is no there's no there's no second chance. There's no next week. You either come in locker the locker room next day, and you're preparing to go to the next level or potentially a super bowl or you're done. So it's the it's the win or go home mentality. Yeah, you get to pay it a little bit more money. They're all making great money. So it's not it's not a money thing, but it's the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl and play for something you've dreamed about since you were a kid. If you're a you know, a football player, that's something you dream about playing that Super Bowl. So it's a um, it's a different level. The stakes are high. It's fun. And you're, you know, your friends and peers are at home because there's only, you know, like, you know, 18 left. So you're like, oh, my God, this is this is it. You know, there's not a, there's not a whole lot of, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of football left.
2: Do, are people at this level, do they often wilt under that kind of pressure, that mentality? Or they all been through it in their careers. So it's it's uh, they're ready to go
4: most guys rise to the occasion or they just kind of miss the opportunity to get on the field quite honestly anyway, or they, know, you're, you're going to have, you know, drops and bobbles and, you know, uh, missed punts and catches and missed tackles. I think that's just part of it. Once, once the game gets going, you almost forget that it's a um, playoff game. Mm -hmm. I never played in the Super Bowl. I played in a couple of playoff games, but once the game gets started, it's a game, just like from, you know, when I was at John Marshall or University of Minnesota or Green Bay Packers, I guess it's a game, and I want to win, and I'm trying to figure out, remember remember the game plan, go through my points, do the things we emphasize during the week to be successful.
2: Interesting. Should be a good one.
1: <laughs> and you, you alluded yeah, to this definitely. a little bit earlier, and we'll uh, uh, let you go after this question, but I, you said, uh, I believe, you would be surprised if the Packers would come away with this game. Um, can you just expand on that a little bit? I know you've talked about it a lot, but um, you know what do you think the... The key, maybe one or two advantages that the Packers have over um, the Bucks, um, or more specifically, if you think uh, Tom Brady's still kind of the same guy that he has been uh, you know, these last couple of years, at least, or you know, getting kind of—he always gets it together around this time of year. It seems like he hasn't been uh, necessarily the same guy uh, up, uh, the last couple of weeks.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think Tom Brady's a big part of it, and he's. Uh, he's a big piece of the reason that they're there, you know, and Bruce Anders would say, you know, Hey, he's a winner. He expects to win and his confidence um, eludes all the way through the, the locker room. And I think that, you know, that they're going to put up, a, it's going to be a, a challenging game and a, a tough game, but I feel like the fact that they've already beat them one time this year is a not a strike against them. But I think it makes it a little bit of an uphill challenge. The fact that it's a home game and the Packer offense is playing well. You know, I don't think they're going to just run through them and score 45 or 50 points on them, but I, I can guarantee you they are going to get more than 10. You know, so I think you know they, they're going to—they're going to get—they're going to get rolling, and I feel like it's going to be really difficult to stop. And I think that the the cold air and the fans and hearing the "Go Pat Go" thing over and over in the cold is uh, is not fun and uncomfortable. And uh, the the you know, the Bucks might fold their tent up, you know, midway through the uh, third quarter.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it kind of feels like a the Packers' year, uh, especially depending on what happens with Patrick Mahomes. Especially, it's uh, it's uh, interesting. But man, what a marquee matchup! What what an exciting, uh, I would say objectively exciting game. As as a diehard Vikings fan, I'll be uh, grinding my teeth throughout the entire thing. Uh, but uh, I w- just wanted to, uh, to thank you again for coming on the show, man. It was really great talking to you and getting your insights. Uh, We would love to have you back whenever you would like to be on the show. Uh, And so thank you, man.
2: Hey,
4: thank you. You guys take care. Take care. Thanks, Daryl. Thanks, Tim. See
1: see you, you Daryl. Be well. It'll be a good
2: one. It'll be a good
1: one. It'll be a good game. And that guy – has uh, oh, the voice great. of he, uh, <laughs> wow, uh, he's, he, he's got the perfect radio voice and in cadence and uh, insight. Man, he's a uh, what a great guy! What a what a
2: yes, because I mean, it's not you can tell he's not sitting in his chair freaking out like you and I are, Joe. I know, <laughs>
1: just <laughs> drenched in sweat. Uh, yeah,
2: so just, my if,
3: nickname. My nickname for him is Smooth Jazz,
2: right? Ooh. Oh man, that's about sounds right. Sounds like he would
3: be hosting a Smooth Jazz, and he tells some funny stories. You guys, I mean, as we'll have hopefully have him on, you know, going forward, and or he becomes a part of this whole thing, or whatever it is, he he tells good stories about you know guys that he played with and against, and and as you might guess, he's a uh, very very popular, and I'm I'm really surprised in the sense that uh, he he went as heavy Green Bay as he did because I, I just still, still think that he mentioned Winfield. But he never mentioned Tyler Johnson. You know, who right. had a big catch in the fourth quarter last week. And, and uh, you know, I, I just, you're going against two former Gophers. I don't know. Yeah. They made big plays in the fourth quarter last week. Yeah. Boy, that
2: catch was something, wasn't it? Uh, it was. That, He's great. It, phenomenal catch. And he hasn't had a whole, whole heck of a lot of opportunity this year. Uh, they were talking on the broadcast how Brady was saying, I've got to get the ball to 18 more. And then he does stuff like that, and it makes you understand.
1: Yeah, and, I think
2: he's uh the other gopher on that squad, but it, they're they're both uh, uh have contributed this year and it's it's really neat to watch Antoine. They, are, they both
3: know a lot about cold weather.
1: It, that's it, true. That that's that's true, that's true. Um and and it's something that it, it's just nice to see gophers football players in the NFL. I mean it, yeah. it, it, we kinda got away from that for a few seasons. Um but yeah, I would love to talk to him about decades. His, you know exactly from basically into Glenn Mason up until recently, um, you know, the running. The next time we should uh, definitely talk to him about the running back tradition at the University of Minnesota. Uh, why the Big Ten is the best ever, right, Joe? I mean, I, I very nearly yes, Joe, yes, that was, Joe. Very I sure. almost asked him the, <laughs> my final question. Uh, Tim, the, the, me and Joe have a uh, running joke that somehow I always bring up how great the Big Ten is on every single episode of everything that we do. Um and somehow shoehorned into the conversation yes um,
3: and joe you obviously do not ascribe to this so who who is your horse in this race oh i, I don't you know I, I,
2: he prizes the big 10 over all other conferences and i'm just saying well there's a number of other players from conferences that uh make up the national football league so it's not all big 10 yes you know, I, I grew up as a Gophers fan, so I, I appreciate the Big Ten. But uh, I just try to keep Joe Tamp down a little bit because it, it's, uh, you know, sometimes I, you were, I have a I have a
1: theory that the, the Big Ten players make better pros, uh, especially as quarterbacks, because they have uh, academic oh. stand, academic standards that show an extra level of commitment. Um,
3: Go get him, Tim. Go get him. Yeah, this is falling uh, apart
1: for me. (laughs) It's coming out of his uh, mouth. (laughs) So Joe, Joe, um,
3: Joe. Name uh, name me all those outstanding NFL quarterbacks from the Ohio State.
1: Well, I mean, there's exceptions to every rule, but the Brady. From
3: Indiana?
1: I mean, Purdue's
3: got Breeze.
1: Brady, Breeze, Russell Wilson.
3: Russell Wilson was there for one year.
1: I'll yeah. It. I'll yeah, I'll take I'll take
3: the Pac-12 over the Big Ten when it comes to quarterbacks.
1: Well,
2: Alonjo, Alonjo, uh, Tim knows more about this than I do. He's oh, got to have Tim on okay, here every so week. They, if, if, if
1: they basically – the, the it's, it's the quarterbacks and it's the offensive line. That's my jam. And I think that if you were to go position by position and, and say – Who's the best Big Ten player at each position on uh, across the entire team? The, the Big Ten has by far the most position by position talent
3: compared and to like they're... the SEC.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a, mm-hmm. a the ESPN, <laughs> ESPN. did a series on this <laughs> uh, last season, and they did. Yeah, and they said the, the big. Uh, yeah, I'll send you a link, and I'll post it in the link uh, article in the article that is uh, the show on Vikings territory and uh they basically said that uh, uh the big 10 by far it was the best position by position mainly due to to the uh, embarrass- the embarrassments of, of riches at the quarterback position now this was two years ago so they were looking at breeze and brady as as not uh you know what breeze was this season
3: oh sort um, of like all timers but not maybe cumulatively by numbers
1: no they've been at the time just but you know Breeze obviously wasn't the same guy this year. So that's a little bit different, but they were essentially saying what well, put the Big 10 over the top was their amazing uh, uh, offensive line play.
2: Well, wasn't uh, Br- isn't Brady a backup quarterback at Michigan? Wasn't he, he didn't that, start
1: That that, well, that shows how great the Big 10 is. Yeah, you, know? I, I you got I a guy like that. Brady uh, as a backup. Wow. You know? The one
2: thing I did do for Joel in this regard one time, I looked up just to try to, you know, we were having another one of these discussions, and I went and looked up how many Hall of Famers there were from different conferences, and and the Big Ten did come out on top, at, you know, for what it, for what that's worth. But uh, so I had to concede a little bit there. I think that was his, on his birthday or something. I did that for him. But
3: uh. I wonder if that's Let's like get older because I mean, recent history would would certainly favor the SEC and the talent that right. they're putting into the <laughs> NFL
1: and, and the championships that they're Outside of Alabama, winning. Ohio State has the most active NFL players. Um, I, I don't know if it's a system-based thing, um, uh, from, from why their quarterbacks still work, end up working out. I think Justin Fields might find be the exception to that rule. Um, but I just tend to think that, you know, I, 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 I really do think I'm, uh, I, I think, well, first of all, I think the big 10 is, uh, uh and I think you guys will agree with this more consistent sport to sport you know, you don't have a lot of basketball teams in the top 25 like you do the Big Ten. Um, and yeah. I, I do think it's important, even though they've had scandals, like Clem Haskins comes to mind. But I do think it's important to to have academic standards. And I do think it's, you know, the, the, the controversy they're having with Nebraska isn't just the fact that Nebraska doesn't want to play by any of the Big Ten's rules and maybe that they're not a good fit, but also that Nebraska recently was delisted as – one of the top uh, research universities in the country. Every other big 10 school is one of the top research schools. And so
2: I think, um, I think that the, the big 10 has more hockey teams too, than the sec just gonna throw wrestling.
1: Yeah. you know, <laughs> Wrestling I, but, too, but they, they do uh sport to sport, I think, but no, I mean, I, I you know, they, I, the sec is, is a powerhouse. And, and I, I say that grudgingly. I mean, I've, I've I, I watched, you know, a lot of this. Obviously, me just growing up in a Big Ten household, and my dad talking about the Big Ten all the time. Um, but you know, they—they they, so, so they always disappoint this, I can in in, in, uh, in a bowl games, it seems. So,
3: let, let, put on your general manager hat. What the Vikings have the 14th pick in the draft, correct?
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: So you're sitting there at number 14, and Justin Fields is on—is still on the board. Do you take it? Oh, great question. No.
1: Um, I would take Wyatt Davis uh, hands down because I feel that the you know regardless of uh, who the quarterback is, even if it's Trevor Lawrence, which I'm going to get a lot of flack for that, but I think that you know this is the argument I, I made about the Deshaun Watson trade that everyone's talking about. To get Deshaun Watson, you're going to end up giving up Cousins. Um, uh, Daniil Hunter a first round pick and a third round pick minimum and I feel like especially in, in a system predicated through uh, running the ball first you're not going to get that much of a difference in, in quarterback play or going to a guy like Fields you don't know how long it might take him to acclimate to the league and this offense is built to win right now as everything except for consistent offensive line play and so you know if you you know have a guy like Cousins who does, outside of the stretch earlier this season does not doesn't turn the ball over very often. Who is the second or third most accurate quarterback in NFL history, uh behind Drew Brees, but like a full percentage point ahead of Chad Pennington, who's the third. And what what's the common denominator between those three guys? They're all Big Ten guys. Um, and, you know, I think that Chad
3: the, Pennington was not a Big Ten guy.
1: Oh no, sorry, he was a Marshall guy. I, yeah, I think of him as a Big Ten guy because of his. I gotta brand, watch you brand brand like a hawk. <laughs> Random connections. Um, uh, you're, no, you're right. Uh, hey, but, see,
2: I'm a imagine. No, Joe's chagrin when when uh, Justin Jefferson waltzed in here from LSU and and had a had a season that just had to be tough to watch, wasn't it, Joe?
1: It, uh, I mean, I, I, I wrote an article I, to, to eat crow. But I uh, <laughs> I also was a little over uh, Spielman taking SEC receivers in the first round because he done it like ten times. Yes, you were. It, it never worked out. Um, <laughs> but no, I think that the South Texas is, is ready to win now, and, and if if you get if you roll a dice on that, is maybe best case scenario going to put up the same efficiency as as cousins? You're basically just breaking even outside of the salary yep. cap. And so why not? I'd agree with that. Why not uh, do something that could markedly improve? Uh, your chances of winning, and that would be uh, bringing in uh, you know a guy like Davis, who is some say the best, one of the best uh, players uh, in the last ten years, uh, at least out of the Big Ten. But yeah, I mean, I think that uh, it's uh, it's a fun conversation to have. Uh, oh, but I will post a link to that also to you afterwards. I would love your thoughts on that. We can talk about it um, next week. Uh, speaking of um, um, the the salary cap, I wrote uh, you know it came out this week that. The COVID cap, which is you know through the COVID CBA that they negotiated like right before the start of the season, that you know, everyone had this worst case scenario that they would drop the cap to 175 million uh, because of the lost ticket revenue and other revenue streams, and there was kind of a good news bad news uh, situation there where essentially it won't be 175 million, but it it might be 180, which is down. About 18, 19 million from this season, and, and uh, it would be down essentially 30 million from what was projected—the the 10 or so million each year that they add to the cap. And my thing, I—the I, way I framed it was: this is kind of the NFL's let them eat cake moment because I feel like it's reducing that, the cap that way. You know, when a lot of these teams have very intricately put together a team-building plan and who have negotiated contracts under the uh, presumption that the cap would continue to go up each year because it always has, it, it's going to create a, uh, a, a- a catastrophe where there needed to be one. And I think it's really tone deaf for a, lo- a, a group of billionaires who, who forced a lot of these guys, you know, everyone will say, well, they, they can opt out. But some of these guys don't have the roster security to opt out um, of the league. And so these guys played during pandemic. They, they risk their health week to week anyway, but even more so now they risk the health of their loved ones by doing this. And for these guys to basically say, okay, well now a lot of guys are going to get cut and then resign at lower rates or tons of guys might have to retire sooner than they otherwise would I just think is is morally kind of backward um, you know and it's again I mean some people are already saying well now you can say goodbye to Anthony Barr you can say goodbye to this you can say goodbye to that um, you know these teams work really hard to put season to season their cap their plan, their growth plan, free agency, all that. And now it's it's basically uh, all backwards. How do you negotiate a uh, contract extension when you don't know what's going to happen? Um, and so I just wanted your guys' this take on that. If you guys think I'm overreacting a little bit or, you know, if, if it might be a little more fair because the owners, you know, give what, 50, 55% of revenue uh, is theirs, 45% I think is the players, and the players should shoulder some sort of um, uh, also shoulder this uh, burden a little bit uh go ahead Ms. jim yeah
3: um okay um I, so for me the first time i was ever really around nfl players uh, on a like extended basis i was working down in lacrosse wisconsin and um at the time lacrosse was home for the new orleans saints who trained in lacrosse the chiefs were in kansas city Bears were in Platteville, Vikings in Mankato, and, of course, Green Bay up in in Green Bay. And and it was, you know, the cheese league. And um, I started seeing these guys and then being around veterans and just seeing how beat up they were. And then seeing, you know, the, the guys who I'd grown up watching on TV covering them and how just mangled their bodies were. And I'm like, man, these guys deserve every dollar they can get. I mean, cause you're, you're, it's like being in a car accident all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I'm always for the players rather than the owners. And I agree with you in the sense that there's going to be a market correction. And, um, you know, I, I don't buy it because the NFL got their full season in and mm-hmm. they may not have had the ticket revenues, but they darn sure had the games on TV. That's you know, right. The NBA had to condense and play in a bubble. NHL had to condense and play in a bubble. The um, yeah, NFL didn't have any of that. Baseball had to condense and didn't have people, in the, and you don't hear them doing these sorts of things. So I think it's, a, it's an excuse. I think it's, it's a bad excuse. And the least yeah. they could do would be to hold the cap. Any sort of reduction on, on my part would be, you know, would be bad faith on the part of the owners. But I think you hit it the nail on the head when you said, Mr. Letting Me Cake moment, where are they going to go? What else are they going to do? And it always comes down. The only thing the players could do is say, heck with you, we're going to strike and and they can do that. Um, You know, we know that bringing replacement players doesn't work. You know, I think that the players have to realize that the power that they have in their hands and, and, and I would say more than any other time, they need to be united on this one.
1: Yeah, and I yeah, uh, just really quickly, Joe, I'll add a little bit to that because Joe and I have had Chris Cluey on our show a few times, and we talked a little bit about. Um, you know, the Rookie Symposium and how it, there's these predatory business sessions where there's just like, you know, guys pitching these young millionaires, you know, these businesses that seem to fail, restaurants, for example, um, and and he talked about the fact that, you know, the stat for the NFL is within two uh, 75% of NFL players declare bankruptcy within two years of retiring and the problem, the reason that the, they can't negotiate the CBA stronger is that of, a lot of them surprisingly check to check and they don't have the ability to strike because they can't afford to. Um, and so that's just an interesting caveat there, which I think they always do negotiate from a position of weakness because they can't really legitimately say we're going to strike because the guys need those game checks.
2: Tim, I'm inclined to agree with you. I'm always on the, the player sides and these issues generally, although I always am concerned because I think, uh, the uh, the owners are stronger together than the players are, and and the the people who are are negotiating the CBA for them. But uh, I, I used to work for I worked for the Timberwolves for six years, and I I now I'm on a, a weekly Zoom call with old employees that we get together and talk, and and you know a lot of the talk has been from time to time about all the missed games and and how they're handling the pandemic and the and, and the can con, you know the uh, Lesser games and such, and and I asked one of them, you know, and and I apologize because I can't remember the number, but I said, how how important is gate revenue to to you guys' bottom line? And all I can really say is that it was more substantial than I had anticipated. You know, I, I agree with you. The the, the the TV contracts are huge for the NFL. They missed out of nothing, but you know, there is a lot of money there in in uh, ticket revenue and concessions. Fifteen percent
1: of the revenue.
2: Fifteen.
1: Yeah, which I is it like, was I
2: thought they said twenty in the NBA, but so that you know. Oh, I am talking about the, the but NFL. But the NFL is right. Fifteen. Right. So I
1: think what, what one and a half billion dollars.
2: It, it's it's not it's not chump change, you know. Right. Uh, but uh, so I, I think it has to be something where they get together. It's got to be some give, and uh, certainly from. Uh, the owners, and, like you said, tim they, they they got their those TV contracts are huge and and so they 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 they're able to stay afloat and and probably maybe maybe we'll find out they have turned a po- profit of some sort. I don't know, but uh, gosh, I hope they get it worked out because, you know, uh, we've also gotten to the point where we expect the salary cap to go every up every year so that uh, the people that are doing it, they can say okay, we can keep pl- pushing it forward, kicking the can down the road while well, this year. Yeah. It's, it may be coming back to haunt, you know, to to catch him this time, and so you better be on your p's and q's, and you better be in Kirk Cousins' face and ask him to renegotiate a little bit because there's absolutely
1: his- no way that they they can't not do that, you know. I, right. what, the guaranteed money between him and and Dalvin Cook would be in 2022, uh, around uh, over 60. Million dollars, which would be if the cap was 180 million dollars, 33 percent of their salary cap invested in two guys, the majority of which obviously is cousins. Um, that's insane. You know, you you can't obviously on a, a, a team that needs, has 53 uh, guys on the roster uh, each uh, Sunday, uh, you can't do. That. You can just that it, it's un- yeah. unten- untenable. Um, and so they're gonna have to to do that, and uh, you know, I think they were gonna probably do that anyway. But it's, uh, I, I find it interesting that you know, all these um, free agency articles, and we had one about, you know, maybe the Vikings signing Von Miller. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, they're, they're going to have to cut a lot of guys to, to, to hit, hit the cap. And it's just, you know, just eat the, eat, eat the 15% for one season. You, they still make a profit. I don't know. It just seems like a really dumb PR move. But um, sure, speaking of,
2: i talked about Deshaun Watson on the agenda. Yeah. Don't you think that's a, a, a non-starter when he makes even more than Cousins does?
1: He's going to maybe make as much or more than than Patrick Mahomes um, j- just by the virtue of their potentially the team uh, that offers, you know, he's going to have to agree to. To the trade, there might be a little bit of a bidding war there that'll benefit the Texans a little, but it'll also benefit him tremendously. I mean, he'll probably be the second highest paid player in league history. Um, and yeah, I just don't understand where people think that money would come from. And also, again, I kind of already alluded to this, but you know, Daniel Hunter is a once-in-a-lifetime talent, and he's broken all these records uh, for statistically by the age of 25. Uh, you know, trading him. Is a really big deal, and and as would be creating a first round pick or a third round pick, um, and so I just I think it's a non-starter in every way, the financially, yeah. but also in terms of what it would mean to the team. Um, and again, if you're a run first team, that uh, runs the ball 55 percent of the time, and and then you know does these dink and dunk passes for the most part. Uh, bringing in Deshaun Watson, even though he is clearly better than um, Cousins, uh, is just seems seem like why did you just invest all that even more money in, yeah. in the situation, especially considering the context of what we were just talking about? Where, where, yeah. I mean, do you guys agree? with me well,
3: I think the time to have gotten Deshaun Watson was when he came out of college. Mm. It, you know that that's when you know they they should have already been thinking about that before they were thinking about the move with Kirk and you know and and so I look at this year's draft and I'm and I'm I wanted Deshaun Watson coming from his junior year. I wanted him uh, out of uh, Clemson I feel that way probably irrationally because we haven't seen him enough but I feel like Trey Lance has that same sort of ability he's mm. the build is similar the athletic ability is similar maybe Lance maybe because of the injuries that Watson has had with his knees right now comes off a little younger and, and so I'd be more interested in maneuvering to try to get a Trey Lance out of college but but you made the point earlier Joe and which I agree with is this offense is close enough to, to being good enough to not only win playoff games but potentially win a championship i really think that i think i think they're one or two offensive linemen away from that whether you, whether that's a free agency in the draft or whatever that is because the receivers are there the tight ends are there the running backs are definitely there quarterback is he enough well if he's protected enough maybe he is you know yes. and and so um, so i would say the issues to me are are not going out and trading half your team and and a lot of draft picks for one guy. I, I would say, give me an impact offensive lineman and then fill more on the defense. You know, because we're if Hughes comes back and if Pierce can play and if Kendricks comes back and I don't know what you do where Barr and Wilson are concerned. I, I'm, I, I'm you know I think like a lot of people I like Anthony Barr when he suddenly shows up and makes a play, but I wonder where the hell he is for the other two and a half quarters. And he probably does stuff because I'm not looking at the all 11. He probably does stuff that I don't appreciate, you know, or see enough, but he's certainly not a disruptive player out there in the field. And so, and we have, we have to, we have to wonder too, Daniel Hunter, What's the deal with the neck? I mean, they were never straight with us about yep. that. And, and how serious is this? And people are going, well, trade him now. Well, no team's going to take him if he's got a damaged neck. He's coming right back again. So, we the best case scenario is to hope that he is healthy, he can play. And I think everybody who's on this call and Daryl before all agreed he's a generational talent and, you know, get the most out
2: of him. I worry about Michael Pierce coming back after a year away from the game, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I applaud him certainly for for making the choice he did. But uh, I, I, a year away from this game can be a long time, you know. Especially someone who's who's been around for a, a little while. And you know, we don't know exactly what we we're going to get from. We don't know what we're going to get from him, what we're going to get from Daniel for the reasons you just mentioned. Um, Bar, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, repair and replacement and rebuilding. I think still to go on this defense. So it, it's it's uh, they, they probably have to put their focus there, get that offensive lineman. I agree with Joe. I'd, I'd like to see Wyatt Davis come in um, and uh, rebuild the defense because I don't think they're that far away, especially if uh, they can beat the Packers, and the Packers are going to win it, right? God, I hope not.
1: No, uh, yeah. it's, it's looking that way. And special teams. Yeah, Major issues. Yeah, it would be nice to have an actual nose tackle, you know. Yeah. Um, uh in a lot of people were bullish on on Pierce being better than Lindvall Joseph but he was kind of an unsung hero on this defense W there's just so much talent going around but yeah well in regards to Bar I mean he's the third highest paid player on the team after, and and uh I know Zimmer says and I've heard this from other people that you know uh, Bar does more uh is asked to do more by Zimmer than most linebackers. And I have a feeling that maybe if he ended up on a team that ran a 3-4, he could have an impact near, like, Khalil Mack and be really disruptive in the backfield uh, and, and stuff. But, you know, statistically, I think he rushes the passer, uh, like, between one in, one in every four or one in every five plays, and we just don't really see him ever – that ever really – Turning into anything. Um, I, I had to look at that number multiple times because I was like, "That can't be right." I don't remember Bar being in the backfield that often or sacking the quarterback that often. And, and so I looked at his numbers versus Eric Wilson's, and they're, they're relatively similar. Um, but Bar's mm-hmm. are definitely on a downtrend uh, in regards to at least his PFF rating each season. It's beginning gotten worse and worse to the point where, uh, before he was injured this year, which wasn't a huge sample size, but he was not playing very well. Um, Eric Wilson, the difference there is, you know, he does he. he has Played play a little bit better but at the same time he doesn't cost $14 million a season which is uh, clearly important um, but you he's going to want to raise though
3: he's got one coming
1: yep yeah, that's that is very true um, you know there's just so many questions and we can delve into these things in, in, in the next few weeks but Anthony Harris uh, most people are assume he's gonna be out the door PFF just said he was the seventh best free agent in this free agent class I'm amazed uh, with the Aaron Jones situation that makes me a little kind of kind of happy but uh, you know getting into the playoffs a little bit it does kind of feel like it's gonna be Packers bills. Um, I I want you guys, you know, Tim, I'll I'll start with you. Your take on Buffalo because it feels like you know, if if Indianapolis had kicked that field halftime, who knows what would have happened. And then you know their defense did play really really well against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, but he goes out in the third quarter uh, when they were up, I think fourteen to three or seventeen to three. So that put any sort of fourth quarter heroics, uh, you know, on the drain. And then you have this week they might end up playing against. pen alum, Chad Henney. Um and uh, I don't think that will happen. So I, I don't think that. he was he was a full participant in practice today, Mahomes, yep. but he's still in the protocol, you know. But it yep. is a it's a very nightmare scenario for the NFL because he's obviously the the face of the NFL, right? The new era of quarterbacks. He's the the most uh, famous uh, young player in the entire NFL. Uh, you know, it's it's good for the product for him to play. And, and to make it to the Super Bowl. But as Brett Favre said this week, you know, it's a very um, interesting moment for the NFL to prove whether or not it really is serious about the concussion protocol and the, and the things they've put in place uh, post you know all the things, all the controversy there. Um, but, you know... It, it, if, if he can't play and the Bills make it to the Super Bowl, essentially they, they played two of the three games against, uh, you know, backups for a, a significant amount of time. Um, they're still a good team, don't get me wrong, but it kind of feels like um, they would kind of be, you know, locking out in that regard. I
2: think I think Mahomes will play. I mean, he, he practiced today, and they're saying he's not showing any signs. They'll uh... – They'll whisk him through the protocol. They'll get him on the field. And if he is good to go and himself, I think they'll beat the Bills and it'll be the Packers and Chiefs, which is a, it is a, a matchup of the, what, the first Super Bowl? Yeah, first, first Super Bowl ever was the Chiefs. That is correct. So, oh.
3: That, yeah. Um, so so uh, you said that Mahomes is a full participant. Where is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? I think- he think an ankle injury. I thought he was
2: done for the season, but maybe you're right. Maybe there was a possibility he could come back for the playoffs. I can't remember for sure, Tim.
3: They mentioned him in the game last week, but they never really gave his status. They just said he's had the ankle injury, and that was kind of it. So maybe he is out. But I ask only because they played like on a Thursday night or a Tuesday night or something during the regular season, and I think they played in Buffalo, and it was raining, and um, Edwards Hilaire was – the difference in that game. There, mm-hmm. So some homes uh, didn't, he threw the ball enough and ran enough. Um, Buffalo was never really in the game. It wasn't a blowout, but you know, you never really felt like Buffalo was going to win. And that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is, is, uh, you know, everyone's saying, Oh, if, if, if he's not available, yes, then things are breaking green Bay's way. And if, if Mahomes can't play and if he can't mm-hmm. play, because if he's in there, Kansas city is going to beat anybody. I just believe that he's the X factor and the with already having Tyreek Hill and already having Williams and you know the the weapons that they have and Kelsey yep. you put him in there it's almost like how in the world did they get all these people? How can they afford them? And then they added an, an you know, offensive lineman in the off off in the off season. How did they do that? So theoretically, you know, theoretically on paper, Kansas City's better this year than they were last year when they won the Super Bowl. And I, I just don't know where Green Bay really is in that whole thing. And I'm putting the Green Bay in and over Tampa. And I, I guess I'm wistful thinking that Tampa wins. But I just really want to know, if, is Edwards Hilaire out for the year? Because he's got a chance to play. Um, I would put the Chiefs' stock that much higher.
2: That's a great point. You know, I, uh, I got to look that up. I got to find out because that's, that's the, the – uh, if there is a weakness on the Packers team, it's their rush defense. And to have a, a change of backs with Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell in there, that would be a new – cl- and Williams who they run out of the backfield. That's, that's a little might be a little tough for them to handle. So uh, that, that would change things.
3: Yeah, that's and the screen game, too. Edwards Hilaire is such a dynamic player. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball. I mean, he's he's a lot like Dalvin Cook. He just is that same sort of build. A little guy got a little scat to him, and and uh, he he's a yardage machine. So I'm really intrigued to see where he is on his recovery.
1: And we saw the impact of the weather in the Bills Ravens game. Granted, they'll be in Kansas City, but um, the the wind in that game really limited the ability of of either team to really air out the ball, uh, you know, uh, Diggs still got his 100 yards in a, in a touchdown. Um, but I, you know, just from a, a maybe a, being a little salty standpoint, I I would be interested to see, um, you know, this, uh, a national site that I forget the name of, wrote an article um, at, about uh, Diggs' post-game interview with, with Josh Allen. And, you know, uh, essentially the crux of it was, uh, Diggs loves Allen now, but, you know, uh, 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 maybe hold your breath on that a little bit. If they if they lose or, you know, the, the article by Golong TD, uh, uh, a really great uh, sub stack by a guy that used to work for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel who did that deep dive on some of the issues of the Zimmer regime. He did a deep dive on Diggs and uh, it says Diggs. Wants to win, but he doesn't really care about winning as much as winning through him, essentially. And I said something about him a few weeks ago that Diggs would rather be the uh, the NFL yardage leader than win a Super Bowl, but only have two catches in like fifteen yards. Um, and I, I, yeah, I mean, feel
2: Nobody, nobody knows that. Nobody I mean,
1: knows that, but at the same time, it's like you point to the fact that during the Saints game, you know they were winning that game. They ended up winning that game, and he throws his helmet Why? because he wasn't getting the ball enough. And you know, it's just we heard a lot about him and Thielen really loving one another. And the main thing I took away from the Go Long TD article was that that he was very, There was a myriad of issues that maybe the team could have handled differently. But what really set him off was. The quote was, Diggs is nobody's decoy, and he was really upset that after the Minneapolis miracle, the Vikings were using him as such, even though that was more predicated on how defenses were using and he wanted to be the guy, not Thielen, but what did we always hear about him and Thielen, that they were BFFs, and uh, they had this healthy competition between one another, but, you know, know, I think Diggs is getting it's win win for him now cuz they're winning and he's clearly blowing up on a, on a national level he's on the cover of ESPN magazine but it'll be interesting to see you know if they were to lose the Cops how that things would turn around um, but i uh, i don't know maybe that's just me being a little upset that uh, my former favorite player uh forces way <laughs> out of in a big yep. 10 guy at that go figure oh my no
3: i think that um you look at the position I mean, it's kind of always been this way, whether it's Terrell Owens or Randy Moss or Ocho Cinco, you know, it's, 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 they seem to be given this carte blanche that, oh, I'm a receiver. I get to act like like uh, nobody else does it in any other position. And and going back to Chris Carter, you know, and, and yelling at, you know, the quarterback all the time, give me the ball, I'm open. You know, that's everybody's open. E. John every Johnson's
1: play. book, give me,
3: give me the damn ball. Yeah. I mean, this, this seems to be just the thing. And, and Stephon Diggs is just the latest person playing that, you know, sawing, and you're right. I think everybody. You know, when when you're winning, winning uh, covers a lot. But when things get a little bit sticky, uh, that's when character, you know, is exposed or lack thereof is revealed.
2: You know, I don't think I think it's the nature of the position too, because you know, Joe, don't roll your eyes too high. But uh, uh, I I played high school football and I was a tight end. I considered myself a wide receiver, but we we were a, uh, a running offense. So you. Get about two passes a game was a big game. So, uh, uh, and I'd come back to the huddle every time. Oh, I was open. Oh, I was open. Always oh, open, you know. I, and in fact, my teammates gave me grief about it. I think it's the nature of the position. You, you don't want to just run your tail down there play after play and not have the ball thrown to you. You know, the the running back is going to get the ball. You know, how many different times and and what have you. I, I think they should make every wide receiver play play tight end for a while and just see how it is to block and block and block. And then they'll might be happy when they get the ball thrown to them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's just the nature of the position that, uh, you know, if you're going to go out there and you do what you're supposed to do successfully, which is get open and you don't, and the quarterback doesn't throw the ball to you for whatever reason, it's frustrating. It's just natural. So I, you, you give, them, I, I'll give them a little bit of slack, but Joe, you know me well that i I hate the diva when it comes out of these guys i just I just don't like to see it 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 really destroys uh team chemistry
1: and Tim played wide receiver right uh Tim so I'm, I, 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 I I see a little bit of that I can picture a younger Mcniff out there uh you know throwing his helmet uh, I'm well, that's when I get
2: mad when you ask a question and you say, you throw it to Tim. I
3: would do the old. I would do the old. If, if I was blocking a guy or something like that, I would always try to like throw myself to the ground at some point just to try to get some grass on my uniform because I was <laughs> like you, Joe. I played on a team that that was a wishbone team when I was a junior. And then went to the IBAC as a senior because we had a kid who set every school record running the football. So there's a picture in the yearbook wow. of, of like, my head coach with his hands on his hips. He's looking out, and I'm looking at him, waiting for him to give me the play, which I'm about to run in. And somebody says something on social media, and I said, uh, 99.99% of the time, he's about to call a running f- play for Paulson. And then I put, <laughs> and I would not have blamed him. <laughs> so, right. so i played corner also and i was much more proud of that but that's why to, so to pick at me my teammates will always say, oh god there's the wide receiver i'm like stop it you know so yeah the
2: only thing i i got my uh, uh i i told my wife i consider myself a, a wide receiver but i'm really a tight end and she said yes i like that name better so i'm just oh. so.
1: <laughs> i played football for one year for um uh, park over in North Minneapolis called Falwell Park, and we oh, yeah. had, we ended up winning the city championship, but I was born incredibly premature, so every um, every uh, fall slash winter, I would get bronchitis, which was just, I was always during hockey tryouts, um, and it was just awful, and um, I was really sick, and I played running back. Uh, I, was, I was a late bloomer, so I was a little guy, but I was really quick on my feet, and we kept the one player that they would dial up my number was like a, a kind of a double end around but the kid that was supposed to hand me the ball off uh, kept running directly into me full speed mm. and it was one of those things where, like when you see a stranger on the street and you think to the left and they do and they go to their you know what i mean you, you both do yep. the same thing every single time we would run into each other full speed. So the next time I would try to go to the right, he would do it. Um, And so we finally you played You guys our first... did have
3: practice, didn't you, Joe? Yes, <laughs> and this was during practice.
1: And so I played in one game, and it was the first game. Um, my dad always jokes about it because he said it, it was funny to watch, you know, we were all in the huddle crying, but also trying to call plays because it was cold and it hurt. And we were, really, you know, young. But uh, I finally got the my play dialed up, and of course what happened? We ran into each other full speed, fumbled, and... Uh, uh, they uh, picked up the ball and scored a touchdown. And that was the extent of my football career. But I still have that trophy of the what, 1993 Minneapolis city champions. And I'm like, I don't, feel, I don't feel comfortable. I, I did nothing, but you know, uh, completely embarrass myself. <laughs> uh, well, let's end on, on this. And we've alluded to it pretty heavily, uh, but um, what do you, NFC championship wise, what do you guys foresee this game being? I mean, I think it's, you know, I, uh, Brady always performs best when people say he's washed up uh, or, you know, uh, not the same guy. And he always, always performs well in high pressure situations, the playoffs. Um, but, you know, he they were gifted. The Saints game. I mean, how many? many, What four turnovers all deep in in Saints territory? You know, so at the same time, his yardage wasn't that high because he didn't have to really throw the ball that far. Uh, But I think the Tampa receivers, like the main ones, had like forty-seven yards receiving uh, that game. Uh, So I don't don't know really what to make of that uh, as much. But you know, it doesn't seem like Brady is the same guy uh, outside of that. Um, You know, do you think that that? that's a fair assessment or do you, do you, I mean, do you guys think this would, will be the game that maybe it would have been five years ago or three years ago? Uh, you know, this heavyweight slugfest between these two guys.
3: Joe, um,
2: you know, I, I, I would like to see uh, I, my, I've said this last week, I'll say it again. The only thing I care about is the Packers losing. So yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't care about, you know, a slugfest between these two guys. I would really like to see a good game. Uh, I think Brady's going to, you know, keep them in the game. And I think the, the Bucks defense will hopefully, maybe they go back and watch that tape of the v- Packers-Vikings uh, game that Zimmer, you know, did with, 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 uh, against Rodgers and, and get something out of there. That You know, if, if they can do that, it's a good game. Comes down to the last possession, and we'll see what happens. But I, I really think that uh, the Packers are playing too well right now. They're well-rested. And uh, uh, they got the, as we talked in the first half, the cold weather advantage and home field advantage. So I, th- I think it will be the, the Packers in the end.
3: You know, I, I was, really came out of that game, the Packers-Rams game, really mixed because it was sort of like there were times when the Packers clearly looked much better than the Rams, and other times you're like, they're not putting them away. They right. let them hang around. And if you remember, there was this point in time where, where Rodgers threw not one but two passes into the end zone that were dropped by, by Rams yes. defensive backs you know, yes. on consecutive yeah. plays, and he's just forcing the ball in there. And I'm like, you know, okay, he beat that against the Rams, and it wasn't because of a pressure or anything. He just thinks he can do these things, and, and he's getting away with it. So I just felt like the the Packers weren't as impressive last week as I expected to be. And that may be my Vikings bias playing out. I'm definitely hoping. I think back to, was it two years ago where, where Brady was with new England and they won at Kansas city on the road for the AC championship. Mm-hmm. And it was colder than hell. And I wrote a piece at that time going, that's it. Brady's the best ever. He won that game. He willed that team, you know, to a win. And, and I think Gronkowski's a shell of his former self, but I think, I think Tampa's defense is better than Green Bay's. And I'm not saying Green Bay's defense is, it's, it's definitely improved. I don't think it's as good as Tampa's is. The question is, can Tampa, you know, score? Can they keep the ball? Can they move the ball? And I, I, I don't know. You know, I just don't know what uh, what they'll be able to do. I do think the weather's going to be a factor. I do think, even if it's not like Arctic, you know, um, ice bowl temperatures, I think it's hard for guys from Tampa to come up here and, and not be thrown by this to at least some yep. extent. So my thing is if, if Green Bay if it's if it's close early, I think that bodes well for Tampa. I think if Green Bay jumps out to a lead and Tampa's forced to play catch up, I think that's probably bad for the Bucs.
2: I looked up a weather report and it was it's supposed to be 20 to 29, a low of a low of 20, high of 29, 50% chance of snow and winds of 7 miles an hour. Now we're still a ways out but Uh, Uh, It'll be cold.
1: And and the the one thing I'll add just to what you guys said is that I think at some point the drops by the Green Bay receivers are going to come back to haunt them. Um, Vont, Scalding has had multiple drops where he's been wide open down the field. Huge, uh, huge spots, you know, Guaranteed touchdowns. Um, uh, you had Lazard, who had the, the dagger touchdown last week, but he got a drop before that as well. Um, and, you know, this is a game of inches, especially in the playoffs. And, and I could see, you know, that being something that, that uh, could be the difference in the game. I mean, especially considering, you know, the one thing, uh, you know, I wrote an article comparing the Vikings and the past, Offenses because they're very similar in a lot of ways. Uh, they run the ball. Uh, the run pass ratio is almost identical. They obviously uh, Matt Lafleur. It was a uh, an acolyte of Kubiak, and they run very similar schemes. Uh, but you know uh, the Packers are still Devonte Adams and and a couple of guys that that. Uh, have potential, but drop the ball a lot. And so, if you're able to, as we saw, I mean, he's Adams is still a, a tremendous player, top three mm-hmm. wide receiver in the NFL. But if you can somehow uh, box him up, you know, even as the Viking, that, you know, that game he, he had. Three, one, three touchdowns, but he didn't have a, a lot of yardage, Or, but they did it. The Vikings still did a decent job of stopping him in the second game. Um, if you do that, then you're going to put a lot of pressure on those other guys to come through and they, they clearly haven't shown the ability to do that. And so, uh, it should be a really good game. I mean, I again, I'm, I, this is like the NFL's dream, right? Like, Brady, Rodgers, and on the other end of it, you have Mahomes again, and then you have Josh Allen, and Bills, this, you know, upstart team that is growing in popularity. And subjectively, it's it's a really interesting, it's going to be a fun weekend of football. So, uh, been two
2: good games,
1: yeah. Yeah, so everyone should uh, definitely stay tuned to and purpleptsd.com. We'll be covering all those games, and uh, we'll have some really big announcements in the next couple weeks on this show and on the website that we're all really, really excited to talk about. Uh, and, and so stay tuned for that. But uh, I definitely wanted to thank you guys again for doing the show coming on here spending time uh with me talking about football uh you know i have a this is always the highlight of my week i have a really good time uh, talking to you joe uh, You you know, you've been a really great friend to me so I, thanks, uh, I just wanted to say thank you and then tim uh thanks again for stopping on the show it seems great like you thanks know, for having yeah, me we uh we you know this uh, uh this could be something moving forward. Uh, hint, hint, wink, wink, Uh But yeah, let's uh, uh, all uh, watch some fun football this weekend, and uh, we'll talk to everybody up in Detroit Lakes next Wednesday night. This has been the Vikings Territory Breakdown for the 20th of January, 2021.
0: So. Our cars will break down and when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck, or SUV, and less repair bills, plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance, just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. Our cars will break down, and when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car, whether it's a car, truck, or SUV. You can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission and much more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck or SUV, and less repair bills, plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary.